Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. How long do you think you're going to live? Be helpful to know, wouldn't it? I know somebody out there saying, I'm going to live forever. (laughs) But on this earth, how how long do you think you're going to, I mean, Pastor John designed this amazing series, so resourceful. Uh, next week, if you want to do lunch and learn with me, I'm going to help you learn how to plan your funeral. <laughs> but it's so many layers of helpfulness and resource in this series, but it sure would be helpful to know how long we were going to live. Because if you're going to live life backwards, it'd be nice to you know, know how, how long you're going to live so you can sort of look back and just sort of plan Uh, the rest of it. Have you ever filled out one of those calculators for life expectancy? The average Canadian is going to live till they're 83. But if you make it until you're 65, then men, average life expectancy goes to 89, 91 for women. Someone said uh, to this guy, "Why, why do you think what do you think women or men die before their wives? He said, because they want to. Anyway, so <clears throat> when I heard, though, that the biggest factor was genetics, I was not encouraged. Um, I never met my grandpa on my dad's side. He died when he was in his 40s. My dad died when he was 64. My brother, my only brother, died when he was 67. I'm 67 and a quarter. But then people come along and they say, but it's not the quantity of your years, it's the quality of your years. It's not the, the years of your life, it's the life in your years. And, you know, focus on health, living safe, the, the quality of your life. But, you know, you still get old. I think one of the funniest conversations that God ever had with a human being recorded in the Bible is God with Joshua, chapter 13, 1 I love the way the old King James says it. (laughs) It says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. (laughs) You know, I hear Joshua, thanks a lot, Lord, you know. Uh, You know, like my mom says to me when she's at a health challenging week and she is 92 and probably watching now, hi, mom. But uh, she says, Keith, getting old sucks. That's the way she puts it. (laughs) But Jesus instructed us not to focus on, watch this, the the quantity of our years, the quality of our years, but on the contribution of your years. So you measure your life not by its duration, but by its donation. Not by its length, but by the legacy. That's what Jesus is saying in an end-of-life conversation with Peter and John. He's about to go to heaven. He's risen from the dead. 
Peter has denied knowing him three times, and so Jesus shows up and wants to heal him and get him on with the future. And so he, he asks him a question three times. A third time he asked him, Simon, that was one of Peter's names, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked a question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. <laughs> was, was that a, a laugh of empathy right there? <laughs> Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Jesus points out here in what we just saw in the last chapter of John's gospel, uh, three differences that we all have in terms of this life, and then three um, three realities that we all have in common. Let's, let's, let's first of all look at the three differences, all right? Different lengths of life on earth. Uh, Peter wants to compare himself to John. How long is John going to live compared to me? Jesus says, Peter, not what about John, what about Peter? We all have different lengths of life. You can have a great gene pool, you can eat healthy, you can go to the gym every second day and get hit by a car on the way home from the gym. I mean, I remember visiting a man while I pastored in Edmonton. He was in his mid-60s, and when I'd visit him in the hospital, he'd say, Pastor, he'd say, God has promised me three score and ten. King James Version, but it means 70 years. Three score and plus 10, 70 years. I went home and looked it up, and the psalmist is basically making a point about the relative brevity of life. He says, we've only got like 70 years, maybe 80, he says in the same verse. But he'd say, I've got three, you know, he's going to make it till he's 70. I got thinking, you know, if everyone just made it to 70 and then died, <laughs> anyway, it just, it just hit me funny. I, you know, it sure would help with bucket list planning, wouldn't it? Your 69th year, we say, okay, we got one more year. Let's plan it. And uh, imagine the day before you turn 70, though. <laughs> You'd be calling all your friends and family, I love you. See you again, you know. It, it would sure narrow down the audience I'd have next week, right? For funeral planning, because they'd only all the 69-year-olds, that's all that would be here. <laughs> Jesus tells Peter, your lifespan is going to be different than John's, okay? Our lifespans are different. Second, what we have to work with is different. We all have different talents, skills, IQ, emotional intelligence. We all have different opportunities. We all look different, right? We're not equal prettiness and handsomeness. Sometimes it just doesn't seem fair. 
And we're told that family is the biggest conditioner, the biggest conditioning factor to determine life success. So, so we, don't, we don't have the same opportunity. Listen, for someone that's born in the slums of India and told they're inferior, for someone that's born in a raised-to-hate Hamas family in Gaza, for someone that's born in a famine in South Sudan, for someone that's born in the east side of Vancouver, the addiction capital of Canada, it just doesn't seem fair. When Peter asks about John's lot in life, what's it going to be like for him compared to me? Jesus answers, what is that to you? What is that to you? We're, we all have differences to work with. All right? Another thing that's different is we all have different rewards in heaven. It's different for each of us. You say, hold on, Pastor Keith. I thought we all got into heaven by the grace of Jesus. Yes, we do. The only reason that I'm going to be there is because of the grace of Jesus. The only reason you'll be there is because of the grace of Jesus. It's, it's equal for every one of us, but watch this. We have equal grace that gets us there, but we won't have equal rewards once we get there. Jesus said, I will give to each according to what he has done. John's reward will be different from Peter's, even though they were in the same line of work in this life. Now, it's easy to respond and say, do you know, th that really isn't fair, that some people get rewards and others don't because we, we think, you know, some people had life easier than I did. Somebody ha somebody, some people have an earlier start following Jesus than I did. Um, some people have more talents than I do. Some people have superior opportunities to me. So it's not fair. So I thought I'd, I'd do a graph here. All right? Let's say at the bottom, at near the zero end, I mean, I'm sure there's people worse off than this, but I thought of people that came from a severely messed up family. Maybe they didn't even really have a family. They don't even know who their parents are. They're born in poverty. Maybe even abused in this life. They've never known love. They don't have good health. No educational opportunities. Some kids around the world, they just... Because you're a girl, you can't go to school in some places. No knowledge of Jesus. Like, can you imagine being right down there? That's your starting point. Then you've got people who, who they're, 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 man, they, they come from, their starting point is that they come from a loving, authentic, financially secure family. They're healthy. They have had opportunities to have a good education. And they have a knowledge of Jesus from childhood. How many can say with me in your minds, that doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> but I've often thought of it, you know. What's the starting point? What's the starting point? Let's say someone, you know, is that bad off and that's their starting point and then they hear about Jesus. They hear about Jesus and, and they follow him and they're so messed up and, and they're broken. But they manage to go from one and they, they follow Jesus in life and they get all the way up to three and then they go to heaven with a three and then there's Keith Smith man I have been so blessed listen all of these describe me okay not always healthy but anyway <laughs> so let's say I, my starting point was about an eight 
And I've been living for Jesus all my life and I, maybe, maybe I get up to 8.75. Do you remember how far this guy got? One and he got all the way to? I started off with an eight and all I got to was? So I ask you, who made the most progress? Who made the most progress? Who messed up and they kept messing up but they kept following Jesus and they, they kept doing their very best for him and they, they got all the way up to a three. Who has overcome more? I've said to my boys, I've said, you know, I've been so blessed. And Jesus said this, listen, he said, to whom much is given, <laughs> my starting point, like who much is given, much is. Remember in the parable of the talents? They didn't all get equal rewards. Watch this. It's what you did with what you had to work with. Does that make sense? Never forget that. It's what you did with what you had to work with. Jesus knows where you started. Jesus knows the cards that you were dealt in life. He knows exactly your situation and his eyes are upon you. And when he sees you falling flat on your face, but you're going to get up again and you follow Jesus and you do, you do make some progress in your life, how many know he has a reward waiting for you based on what you did with what you had? I remember my sister, one of my sisters, uh, helping out in her community, uh, fostered this crack baby. You know, the, the, the baby has physical problems because of the mom being addicted to cocaine, and she lives in Vancouver, and she, she fostered this crack baby. I remember just holding that little baby, walking around and saying, oh God, this life's precious to you. But she, had, she was starting life off in a deficit. Sometimes I hear people's stories. You know, because where, where would you put yourself on this graph? Well, you, what's your starting point? When it comes to your family, your health, and handicaps, anything that you have, what's your starting point? And it, sometimes I, I, I talk to people and I meet people and they started, listen, with so little going for them. And you listen to their story and you say, no wonder they're the way they are. I can see the brokenness there, but look how far they've come. Look at what they have become. Uh, sometimes I listen to people's stories. I listen to some of your stories and I've said, what would I have ever done if I was in your situation, if I had your starting point? Would I have even made the progress that you have made? Oh, I, I, sometimes I go away and I say, I could never do that. But listen, Jesus knows your starting point. He knows what you overcame and he's going to reward you for what you did with what you had to work with. Never forget that. All right, so those are the three uh, differences that Jesus points out in his end of life conversation with Peter and John. What about the, the three realities that we have in common? Here's the first one. We all will have our share of regrets and trials to overcome. Thank you very much, Pastor Keith. I'm glad I came to church. <laughs> 
We're all going to have our share of regrets and trials to overcome. Regrets? Can you imagine Peter struggling with his regrets? Right when Jesus needed him most, he denies, even though he's been warned, he denies that he knows Jesus three times. In his headspace, when Jesus meets them and has that end-of-life conversation, Peter's still got this tape playing in his head, I'm such a loser, I'm such a loser. And what about John? Imagine John, the regrets he had when Jesus was arrested. He could say, well, at least I didn't do what, at least I didn't deny him, but Peter, he fled. And then he followed Jesus just from a, dis, a safe distance. But when Jesus meets them and has this, this end-of-life conversation, it's not about their past failures that they're wallowing in. It's about rising up, being forgiven, and moving on into their future how many know we all have sinned and fall short? Every one of us. We all need Jesus' forgiveness, but aren't you glad he also gives us a post-failure future? Listen, if you have regrets in your life, that means that you are acknowledging that if you had to do it all over again, you would do it differently. Do you know what that's called? Growth. <laughs> it's called growth. That's called change. It's called change. It means you've grown. All right, so we all have regrets. We all have trials. Jesus told his followers, in this world, you're going to have them. You're going to have your share of tribulation. How many have found they come in two main forms? People letdowns and circumstantial setbacks, right? When you have a trial, it's usually in one of those two categories. Someone's let you down or circumstances have happened that are very negative. And those are the times where we say, we ask those questions. God, why did this happen in my life? Why, why did you allow that? Now listen, we all have trials to overcome. Some people do overcome them. Some get stuck there. <laughs> I've met people that were so zealous in following Jesus and reaching out to others. And then you, you meet them at a later point in life and, and they're stuck in the past. What's happened? You know what? I, I think it comes down, Pastor Jonathan, to an expectation issue. An expectation issue. People that get stuck, watch this, they're expecting fairness prematurely. They're expecting fairness too soon. In this world, we're going to have tribulation. How many know heaven is the place we're not? <laughs> No more parting there, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow. And some people, they expect fairness too soon. In this world, you will have tribulation. How many know we're not in heaven yet? Some people expect fairness prematurely. And then they expect people to be less broken. I expected more of you. You let me down. You're supposed to be this hero and leader in my life, and you have faults. You really need Jesus. Well, I think the answer then is to change our expectations. How many think it'd be different if we just went out after hearing this teaching and expected this life to not be fair? But thank God we know Jesus, and we're going to a place where everything will be fair someday, right? And then we... Ex Changed our expectations in this way. We expect people to be so broken that they're going to need Jesus all the days of their life. I think we could, if we went out there, just expected people to be so broken they needed Jesus all the days of their life. Even the best people in this life do not get it right. They will let us down. 
So, so I've noticed that they're, they're, when people go through trials because of a people um, let down or a circumstantial setback, they, when they get hit with them, they, some just blame God. And they get angry. At, they blame people. They blame God. And that's how they get stuck. You've heard it say, some people become bitter. Other people become better. Why? Why? Because life is not what happens to us. It's how we handle what happens to us. It's how we respond to Everyone's going to have trials, but it's a response to them that determines how the outcome is going to be. Got a question for you. Think about your life now. All the people you've met. Have you ever met someone that, had a, that has a strong character? that had an easy life. Have you ever met someone that has a strong character that has had an easy life? I haven't. Th th those people that have those strong characters that I admire, they've been through trials and they have overcome because they've seen their, their, their trials, every one of us can do this, as opportunities to grow. Opportunities to grow our love for and our faith in Jesus. All right? Every one of us can do that. Every one of us. Because of Jesus, no one's stuck with the letdowns of people or the setbacks of circumstances. No one is. Every, every time someone lets you down, it's an opportunity to go to a new place. <laughs> every time you go through a circumstantial setback, a trial, that way, it's an opportunity to go to a new place. Peter rose up from his failures to go on and make a, a, a huge impact for God for all the days of his life. John left that day and, and went on to make an impact for God in the lives of people for the rest of his life. Listen, when I hear people that sort of wallow in their past, oh, don't expect much from me, Pastor, because this is what happened in my life, and this is what so-and-so did to me, and I've just never gotten it. We need time to process things, to mourn, to get angry, to, to go through them, but we need to get through them. We need to persevere until we get to a, a, a new place, a new place. Some, I've heard people say, oh, I remember one girl, I just was so shocked because she'd grown up in this church and, 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 and she said to me, she, as she came to see me because she, things were messed up in her life and I showed her some baby steps to take forward and she said, oh, no, no. But you know what, almost her last words to me, Pastor Keith, messed up works for me. I've heard people say, statistics prove that someone coming from my background are going to have this kind of broken future. I'm, I remember one guy said, my grandparents were divorced, my parents were divorced, my brother's divorced, divorce runs in our family. As if that justified him getting a divorce. Listen, when you give your life to Jesus, how many know stats do not determine your future? Your past does not dictate your future. If anyone has come to Christ, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in you. You have that resource. You can become who Jesus wants you to be. You're set free from that old person. Now you're freed up like Peter and John were to have a future where you can become what Jesus wants you to be. That's why why you read the Bible. That's why this multi-divorced Samaritan woman was so transformed by Jesus. She led her entire Samaritan community to Jesus. That's why that self-destructing man that was cutting himself in Mark chapter 5 was set free by Jesus and sent to be a powerful witness to his community. That's why the proud Christian persecuting Pharisee named Saul became the biggest contributor to the New Testament as the Apostle Paul. That's why this rich by cheating tax collector was transformed by Jesus into a philanthropist. You see, when you and I trust Jesus, we're unstuck from the baggage of our past and we can be, we, we can be free to be what Jesus wants us to be. How do you get there? How do I get there? I remember one time we were on this camping trip. My boys were in their early teens. And when we were on camping trips, because we, we just loved the outdoors, always went camping. And I think we're up in Algonquin Park. And, uh, and every year on Sunday, you know, we couldn't zoom in on the one church to service. We, we had our own service. And I just loved it. I would say... David, it's your turn to do the devotional this year in our little Sunday. And we'd sing a few songs of praise to Jesus. And then and one of the kids would do, it was so, I just loved it. Matthew, it's your turn this year. One year they turned on me and said, Dad, it's your turn. I said, you hear me all the time. You don't want to hear me again. Just, just do one of you guys. Do. No, 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 we want to hear you. So I thought, what would I want to say to my kids? And they were just in their young teens, were they even listening to me? But I said, guys, never forget this. I said, I've never found anything in life that I couldn't get out of if I practiced these three things. The first one was humility. The next one was forgiveness. And the third one's gratitude. You know, here I am, how many years later, decades later, and I can tell you that I've never found anything in my life that I haven't been able to get out of if I practice those three things, it always starts with humility. You can't forgive someone unless you humble yourself. And you can't be grateful. Pastor Jonathan talked about gratitude last week, how to stay young. You, you, can't, you can't be grateful unless you are humble and give credit where credit is due and not try and find it in you. It starts with humility. I, I think the Apostle Paul picked up on that, you know, when he said this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You know, how many were singing that song today, I choose the Jesus way? And you saw that's the way that Jesus did it for me. That's the way I'll do it for others. Esther and I just um, got back from uh, a 45th anniversary trip. You look at Esther, you say, 45 years, like I, like I doubt it. I married her when she was 15. No, I just... 
But you know, we've been talking recently and thinking of the Jesus way and how thankful we are that we lived his way and every time we had to humble ourselves and forgive and be grateful. And we've been talking a lot about it. Matter of fact, during that song, all my life you have been faithful. Esther reaches over and grabs my hand, holding hands in church. (laughs) When you're 45 years married, you can hold hands in church. And, uh, but we've been talking a lot just uh, about times where we were, you know, remember the time we were ripped off by people who we trusted financially? Remember the time, and Pastor Jonathan knows about this, we were falsely accused and premature loss of people in this life. Why, God, would you take them when they were doing so much good for you? Church problems, one of them, the stealing of $676,000 that I had nothing, that I showed up in the church and I had to help them find their way forward. I, I've had my share of injustices and heartaches. And you know, you can get bitter. Why? Why is this happening to me? <laughs> you remember that saying, bitterness is like taking poison and then waiting for the person that hurt you to die? <laughs> I'm so glad we chose the Jesus way, sweetheart. It's the only way to go. Only way to go. And then final uh, thing that we all have in common is we all can make a contribution to others that no one else can. You have people in your life that no one else in this room, no one else online is even going to meet. You have family, friends, people in the workplace and business. You have neighbors that no one else is going to have the opportunity to to shine for Jesus in front of. You have life experiences that relate to others that no one else has. You have opportunities that no one else has. You can have conversations in the church lobby that no one else has. You can be in a community group and say something to someone that's going to make all the difference. No one else but you has that. To serve as a volunteer. You know, for a few decades now, I've had as a, an objective, every place I've lived, to leave the place better than when I found it. Every neighborhood we've lived in, every building we've lived in, every, uh, every church we've pastored. I'm going out to do a, a 50th anniversary of a church that I uh, was part of the early days, a church that tripled in size uh, during our years there. And, and, you know, every place that I've lived. Listen, I, I'm at the point now where I, I say every conversation I have with you I want you to be better off because we had that conversation than when you first started talking to me. I want to leave every place better than when I found it. And that means, that means thinking of those who will come after me. Is, is it an Indian proverb that says, blessed is he who plants trees under whose shade he will never sit. You don't get any eyes. I'm not getting ready to die or anything, all right? Just. <laughs> but that means that I have to refuse to join the overcrowded ranks of people who get crusty when they get older. 
whose major contribution to the next generation seems to be to complain about them. <laughs> Why can't they do things like we used to do them? You know, how many have learned that the way you spell the good old days is like this? I don't know that there's anything I care more about or pray more about than that the next generation would experience, have a first-hand experience with Jesus. That the Holy Spirit would give that to me. I don't think I pray about it. Esther, we don't pray about anything more than that because we have five grandchildren. Of course we're going to pray for that. How can that happen? How can you get older and still make a contribution? Listen to Peter. It's, he's an older man now, not as old as John lived. His lifespan was shorter, but he wrote this in his last recorded letter. He says, I must soon leave this earthly life, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. One translation, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Do you see it? Can you feel it? Here he is, a senior citizen, and he still hasn't gotten over the wonder of having had the privilege of being with Jesus. He just loves Jesus. I was an eyewitness of the King of Kings, His Majesty. And John, he writes the last book of the Bible. And, but you know how he, 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 was, he was just, he lives probably longer than the other followers of Jesus, the original 12. But you know what the way he wanted to be remembered? Did you see it earlier? the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> when he writes his last, he's saying, what I want to be remembered for more than anything else is that Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> you see, how do you, how do you get old without being crushed? How, how do you keep a tender heart? When, you, when there's so many hurtful things, uh, people situations you've had to go through and so many circumstantial setbacks you can't understand. Why did this happen in my life? You know what the secret is? To love people always. To love people, but to love Jesus more. Love people, but love Jesus more. Here's how it works. It's like Jesus gave Peter the secret formula in that last end of life discussion. He, he, says, he says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Get the sequence right. <laughs> I've had the privilege to speak to a lot of pastors uh, across this nation of ours. And I often have told them this story and I've told it to the staff here. Pastor Jonathan asked me to tell the story to the staff here. Uh, the day that I was reading a devotional book that was for church leaders, and it went like this. Are you in the ministry because you want to see lives change, people transformed by Jesus? You want to see people go to heaven? It said, then get out of the ministry. I, I thought I must have missed something there. 
went back and married. Are you, are you in the ministry because you want to see lives change, people transformed by Jesus, and you want to see people go to heaven? Then get out of the ministry. He said, get out of the ministry because you'll die a broken-hearted person. Then it went on to say, but if you were in the ministry because you love Jesus, then when people let you down <laughs> and people don't follow Jesus, you'll keep on going in the ministry because you're not in it for them, you're in it because of him. So, so I, you know, this isn't for people just in the ministry, right? This is for every follower of Jesus. So I wrote this down. What's the greatest prayer of your life? What's the greatest legacy that you want to have? Is it that your children and grandchildren would follow Jesus? Is it people that you witness to would respond to Jesus? Is it that you would see your family and people that you love in heaven someday? Then you're on track to die brokenhearted. Because when family let you down and people you're witnessing to don't respond, your heart will be broken. But if you do what you do because you love Jesus, then even when people let down, you'll keep on contributing because you're doing it not for them, you're doing it for, yeah. Love people, oh yeah, but love Jesus more. Our ability to make a lasting contribution to people is only sustainable if we love Jesus more. Can we pray about this? And when we pray now, how many are here online or in this room in Toronto and you're saying, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray with me right now, I'm ready to say yes to the forgiveness and the love of, I realize Jesus died for me on the cross as much as he died for anybody. And I'm ready to say yes to him. I realize I don't have to be perfect, that he'll come and live in my life and I'll follow him and he'll perfect me as I grow. But I'm gonna start today. How many in this room are online you say, I'm ready to pray with you, Pastor Keith. I'm ready to begin life following Jesus. I invite you to just pray this prayer with me. Just whisper it in your heart, right where you are, wherever you are in this world or wherever you are in this room. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross so all the wrongs that I have done could be cleansed away. I'm sorry for the wrongs I've done. Forgive me. Cleanse them all away. I ask you to come into my life today. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Right into heaven when I die. When I fall down, help me to get back up again, Jesus. I want to live my future for you. Forever. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and you're online, just, you see that button where you can just press it? I said something like, I committed my life to Jesus today. If you're in this room, you know, you can go online and get resources to help you take the next step. You can go to the blue wall and just say, I prayed with Pastor Keith. Can I get some of that material, some, some of the best Bible verses that will just help you keep moving, following Jesus? Now, let, let's, let's, every follower of Jesus, how many want to pray this? Jesus... I don't know how long I'm going to live on this earth, but I want it to matter. Lord Jesus, you are the reason I live. You're the reason I love. I want to love others the way that you loved me. 
And because you are the source of my love, I have what it takes to love others. Lord, help every one of us to live for what will outlast our lives here on earth, we pray. To receive that reward from you, whatever our starting point is. Lord, help every one of us that when our time comes to to leave this place better than when we found it. We pray this, and everyone who wants that to happen, say together with me a good amen. Amen, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.